This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Payne Show. I am thrilled to be joined in studio today by Rebecca Lyons, who is the author of multiple books, but she has a new book coming out called Rhythms of Renewal that I happened to read a pre-release copy of and love so much that I wanted to bring her on to share with you all because I think that it will just encourage your heart, inspire you, and also give you some practical inspiration, practical tips, things that you can do to be able to live a life that isn't so rushed and is more rested. So we're going to dive into those topics of how do you live more rested and less rushed um, in a bit. But first, I want to start with talking about the books that we're reading and what's saving our life. But before we do that, I'd love for Rebecca, can you just introduce yourself for people who don't know who you are? Hello, hello. This is such a joy to be with you. I am so grateful and love just hearing a little bit more about um, just women like us, right, Mm -hmm. that are just trying to put our best foot forward each and every day. And some days we do that well, and some days we kind (laughs) of go to bed going, I'm just going to give up on the day and tomorrow's Mm -hmm. a new one. But my uh, story in a nutshell is that we live actually in the same city, which is kind of fun, mm-hmm. um, outside of Nashville. And uh, I've been married 22 years as of December with my husband, Gabe, and we co-founded a nonprofit called Q, Q mm-hmm. Ideas. And we it's basically about just talking about the tensions of our day, the tensions of our time and culture, and what does faithfulness even look like in that? Where do we just being able to engage things that are coming at our kids, coming... Um, 
in just our environments. And so we talk about that at Q. It's cultural renewal from a perspective of faith. And then me personally, I am a writer and I teach and I'm kind of a late bloomer. (laughs) I'm on the remedial plan. My books are about three to four years apart, but this all began about about seven years ago, actually, for me. And we have four children, 18, 16, 14, and now a (laughs) six-year-old. So we have a senior and we're going back to kindergarten. (laughs) So our lives are a little scattered right now. Our kindergartner we just brought home from China nine months ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of getting back into the only this week back into working because she's finally in school full time. But I've actually really loved this forced sabbatical that adoption Mm -hmm. provided an attachment with her. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's where I am. And did you plan, were you already in the middle of the adoption process when you were writing this book? Yes, it all timed almost at the same time. And I remember thinking like, does this mean I quit? I remember asking God, do I quit writing? Do I quit teaching? Do I quit travel? And no answer. I just kept hearing, do you trust me? Mm. And I was like, no, but that, no, but really I need need a playbook (laughs) right now Um, because I felt like I just got running a Mm. little bit and I was home for the most part full time, a first 15 years of our marriage other than, you know, partnering with my husband, but it was very behind the scenes and when kids were napping, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And and now it just you get going and then yet we we said yes to this and but i do i do think god was not like surprised about the book timing because it almost kept me going cuz i i really wanted to get to a posture of release you know i think mm-hmm. a lot of times and god invites us into things and just say are you ready to push all those chips back in the middle of the table mm-hmm. are you ready to lose your life so you can find it again and and so that risk was super scary but i can always say that there's nothing more beautiful on the other side of a surrendered yes mm-hmm. and so i'm still I don't even know what it is. I just know that um, it's been sweet to, to take a moment and pause, which is really the, the heartbeat of this book mm-hmm. that I've been writing. Speaking of books, let's talk about what books we're reading. I'd love to hear if you have a book or books that you're really enjoying right now or have recently read. So I read a book, started it last year in the end of the year, and it's called Rest. Mm. I'm pretty much drawn to um, books like that because it really requires pursuit for me. You know, when Jesus says, come into my rest, it, it requires pursuit. It's not, it's not escape or numbing out. It's actually a very intentional way of being. And so I, I've tried to live more from a posture of rest because my default can be more to run. You know, we want to run and run and run, but for me, rest. And so this book was so fabulous and I'll give you um, the author's name, which I cannot pronounce. It's, it's not a faith-based book. It's just, it's very science driven about our bodies and our creativity and our minds. And, and one thing I thought was so fascinating is it researched artists, politicians, presidents, um, scientists over the last like three centuries, their rhythms of rest. Mm. And I was so fascinated by um, just how presidents would say, you know, I'd wake up and I would create and I would write like original thought from about seven to noon. And then I would have lunch and then I would take a nap. (laughs) They all take naps. (laughs) And then the afternoons would be correspondence, which is Mm -hmm. our version of email. But their creative moments always happened early in the morning. And I just was really inspired by that. So they talk about napping and play and all that good stuff. But it, it, it's, it's a book I keep going back to because I just need to be reminded that that's the baseline for where we operate from. I have to read that book now. <laughs> it sounds right I'll up give you my all alley. the details. <laughs> we will link to that in the show notes. And 
The book that I'm currently reading, well, one of them, because I like to have multiples going at once, um, The Ministry of Ordinary Places by Shannon Martin. Have you heard of this book? Yes, I love Shannon, and And I love her writing. All her books are so convicting and beautiful. (laughs) I actually, I haven't read anything from her before, so I I don't She wrote Falling Free was her first one, and yeah, incredible. I just, I don't even know if it got sent to me or how, but it was on my shelf and I started reading it because multiple people had suggested it. And I love her heart to truly bloom right where she's planted. Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, just this morning I was sharing on Instagram live about this whole kind of mentality that we can have when we are serving, you know, inner city or something like that, where it's this us versus them sort of thing. And she just really bust that apart. She does. And in the most gracious way. (laughs) She kind of like, you know, does a little, you know, slap, like a wrist slap, but in such a kind, because you're like, oh, I never thought of it like that. Mm -hmm. So just, I love that her heart, like you said, she's so gracious. And I think sometimes we feel like we need to travel halfway around the world in order to do ministry, or we need to go on a mission trip for this sort of thing. But she really challenges you to look at the people who are right in your path, right where you are Mm -hmm. and love on them. And what does that really look like? And sometimes I think it looks very different than we think, you know, that we're supposed to love people. And um, so I also loved her honesty. She talks about building community and that it's not this easy, perfect sort of thing. It's hard sometimes and it's lonely, but it's Mm -hmm. worth it. So that was The Ministry of Ordinary Places by Shannon Martin. Okay, let's talk about what's saving your life. Um, This is the part of the show where we talk about something that's making your life better, easier, or more enjoyable. What do you have for us? So I'm going to go with enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because this little girl we brought home, her name is Joy. Mm -hmm. And it came after a long season of depression that began about nine years ago. And I remember in that season, I kept just this refrain restored to me, the joy of my salvation. And kind of the backstory on her is that adoption came up for about three minutes every three years of our marriage, but it was always like, could we, should we maybe know we're full? Mm -hmm. Um, Our oldest son, who's now 18, was born when I was 26 and he was diagnosed with Down syndrome within the first couple of days. And that was a surprise. And so then that shifted almost the trajectory of what motherhood was going to look like in my mind. And, and so we had two more and then we just, our lives felt full. We moved to New York, everything, but then we get to Nashville five years ago and that, that conversation kept coming up, kept coming up. And, and it, there's so many people, as you know, living here, so many people who are adopting or who are are in foster care, who just opening their homes and Mm -hmm. it's just everywhere. You can't Mm -hmm. even avoid it. And it's a good thing because um, three years ago, I just remember pulling into the garage and my Honda Odyssey and the kids went inside and I would just stayed in the car because it was quiet. (laughs) You know, those moments where you're like, I'll be in in a minute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the after school, like mayhem, everyone's grabbing for a snack and you're like, I'm just going to hang out right here. And I just remember telling God, if you want this to happen, I need you to put her right here. Mm. Like put her face right in front of me. And if you do, I'll name her Joy. And such a cool story. We knew that we wanted, if we were going to adopt, we wanted to choose Down syndrome this mm-hmm. time. We wanted the option to do that. And um, two years later, I get a call, actually a text of a photo of a girl right in front of my face from my friend in Beijing. And she said, this girl's file is going to the States tomorrow. Mm. We were about to have our 20th anniversary. I had not thought any more about that Honda Odyssey conversation with God. I was like, moving forward, we're just going to keep going and doing what we're doing. All three kids are now in high school. And um, I said, why are you doing this to me, Mm. (laughs) to my friend? And 
Um, I said, she's, she's adorable. What's her name? And she said, Kara. And I said, do you mean the Greek word for joy? And, mm. and it was just God's kindness to go, hey, you know, when you said those things and that little still small voice that kind of creeps up every few years, there's more there. Mm-hmm. And it would even literally make me cry, but also kind of always made me feel like it was just beyond my reach. Um, and I know it's not for everyone. We mm-hmm. all care for the widows and the orphans in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, Down syndrome was just on my heart. And then there, all of a sudden there she is. So we brought her home nine months ago, and she is literally a joy bomb that has gone off in our home. <laughs> she greets us every morning like, hello. <laughs> you know, like She can barely open her eyes. She's like stumbles out and hears us in the kitchen. And she's just basically like, I'm here. Like, let's party. And so we have in our living room, a disco ball attached to a karaoke machine <laughs> that pulses the lights with the music. And she's on that thing every day. I mean, who even needs a microphone stand if you can just hold a microphone and just dance around the room? So she's got all of Let It Go, um, you know, choreography. Yes. <laughs> um, she's learning English basically because of the karaoke machine. <laughs> so that's saving our life because there's just this permission to play. And I write mm. a chapter about that in the book, mm. just how um, play and control cannot coexist. Mm. And as a mom, I found myself unable to play because I was just trying to keep the house clean or I was just trying to like keep us on schedule. And and I think what she's done is she's been this like holy interruption mm. that's disrupted my ordered control self. And it's saving us. It's really, it's bringing this laughter and joy. We're back to doing bedtime stories. And now her big brother, Cade, the one with Down syndrome, doesn't want to miss out on family books, bedtime reading. So then he piles in her room and then the kid, the other teens are like, what's going on in there? Y'all are laughing. And then everyone piles in. So it really is almost changing the dynamic of what I even thought it would look like. Um, in a way that's just kind of keeping things simple, mm. simple and pure and fun. And this thing that you, you know, you were saying yes to feeling like it was going to be this probably, like you said, the holy interruption, but you know, I think it could feel like such a risk. Right. And yet yeah. God is using it to be this beautiful, yes. amazing thing in your home. Yeah. He's, that. he's saying, I'm going to take the thing that scares you the most mm. to answer your prayer of restoring your joy. Mm. It's always that converse like reality. We're like, no, actually the fear is going to take me to dread and then it's going to be played out. And he's like, no, actually <laughs> that fear on the other side of that is this beautiful surrender and with surrender comes freedom. And so I was like, oh, but I, I, I can't say that I, we have no certainty when we say yes to this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. You know, we all are invited in to this more and it can look a lot of different ways. And we certainly have all walked through grief and we've all walked through sorrow and loss, but we've also walked through celebration and joy. And so it's a good reminder to me that the fullness of God is all of it. Like, Mm. you know, and you can have days where you have a high low in the same day. Of course, we're still working on attachment and there are days she cries silent tears and I'm still trying to figure out why. But in general, the grace is like, I'm learning now to love her in the way that I'm also feeling the love of God towards me. Mm-hmm. Like w- how powerful adoption really is. How when he says you're mine, um, I can say, yes, that's right. I am yours. And she's now calling me mom. I can call her, you know, our daughter. But until she calls me mom, that's when that agreement is forged mm-hmm. and sealed. Relationship is sealed. So it's been just a sweet thing to be on the other side of it. And in just a few months and see, okay, God, God's had a lot 
going on in my heart in ways I didn't even anticipate. Mm -hmm. And he was preparing you for this way before you ever dreamed or imagined. Right. So this is, this, that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. Mine is about my gratitude journal. And this is something that it's a practice I've done for a long time, but it's just really become a habit for me that first thing in the morning, um, on a recent episode, we talked about our morning routines and, um, I talked about how I first thing in the morning, I put my running shoes on and then got on stairs to the treadmill, but I have my gratitude journal. And the first thing I do before I get on the treadmill is to write in my gratitude journal. And it's just a simple prayer of gratitude. You know, it's Mm -hmm. usually thank you, Lord, for something, but it changes my focus Mm -hmm. and my perspective for the day. And I think sometimes we try to make it this, you know, difficult, complicated thing. Like we need need to go get some fancy gratitude journal or something. And mine is just literally this little notebook. You can get something at the dollar store. Exactly. But just every morning that practice going into my day. And sometimes I think I would miss the blessings of the day before if I didn't just stop and first thing in the morning, take a moment to write them down and just say thank you to the Lord. So that's just made such a difference in my life. And I would just encourage people to, you know, it might look... It might be you're writing on your phone, or it might be just your as you go to bed at night, you're just thinking of what you're grateful for. But just taking that time to say thank you and to be grateful, it really changes your perspective. All right, so I want to talk about your book, Rhythms of Renewal. I have the pre-release copy here, and the subtitle for it is Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. And I think a lot of women look at that and they're like, I want that. <laughs> Don't what we in- all. <laughs> what inspired you to write this book? Well, I never signed up to be anxiety girl. And I do remember though, having my first panic attack nine years ago, we had just moved to Manhattan. Uh, again, at this point our from Atlanta, the suburbs mm-hmm. of Atlanta, we sold 75% of what we had. And it was really more around vocational call. And we were helping with some churches that were planning, being planted in that area. And we just wanted to serve. And I just, we love the city mm-hmm. and we're like, this is crazy. And probably because we never backpacked across Europe or New York when we were <laughs> out of college, it, we had to get that out of our system <laughs> 15 years later with kids in tow. <laughs> so I'm not sure it's the most sensible thing to do. But um, at the time, Cade was nine, Pierce was seven, Kennedy was four, almost five, mm-hmm. starting kindergarten. So I was ending that decade of being home full time with the kids because my youngest is starting kindergarten. And I remember walking around the city like, this is a midlife reset. You know, um, I'm ready to chase meaning again. And I found surrender instead. And I know today that meaning follows surrender. Mm. Um, Because four months into my time there, I had my first panic attack. And I thought, you know, I'm going to, I took night, and I talk about this in the book. I took night classes at Parsons School of Design because my background was interior design and some fashion design. And um, meanwhile, I can barely get on a subway to get to class because I start having such terror come over me Mm. in planes, trains, um, elevators, subways, crowds. That's basically everything in New York. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that season of what panic, um, I wouldn't have called it panic disorder at the time. And I didn't even have language, quite frankly, for anxiety nine years ago. It wasn't a mainstream word. I think a lot of us women carry stress and we just put it in that category. It's a real Mm. big one. But it's when the stress begins to take on physical forms and our bodies are acting out, that's when it moves into anxiety because Mm -hmm. there's 
there's something that we're going to the doctor for. Like, am, am I having a heart attack? And they're like, no, you're still, everything's fine. And I remember the panic and then anxiety ramps into panic. And panic is almost like your mind is playing tricks on you. For me, it was rooted out of claustrophobia. And it is this metaphor for feeling trapped, whether Mm. uh, in New York, you have 8 million people in the span of 11 miles. So you definitely have no personal space Mm -hmm. and everything's really tight. And that abrupt shift from the suburbs of Atlanta was my body going, you'd kind of reached a fevered pitch. Looking back though, raising Cade at that point for nine years, he would have croup attacks in the middle of the night. We'd be going to the ER at all hours of the night for mm-hmm. the first three years. He would wander off. Um, he was never lost, but we were freaking out. Mm-hmm. You know, he, we found him in the back of Hollister at a mall. We found him at a water park, like going up off the like the highest slide. And we had the whole, the whole like everyone, all the lifeguards looking for him. So I had already had this like probably stress I was carrying, and mm-hmm. I think New York just kind of pushed it out. Mm-hmm. And that lasted for about a year. And I started just, I asked God for just to flood me with his peace about a year in and everything began to shift and healing began. But then from that, I wrote a couple books about just like, oh, this is freedom. And this is, this is what the crash and burn can then, this, you have this death and then you have a resurrection. And, mm-hmm. and now we're, we're walking in faith. And so this third book really was One thing I heard from a lot of women was, okay, I've had this season of really crippling depression or crippling anxiety, and it's it's starting to lift. Now what? Mm -hmm. You know, it was almost this idea of like be free, but then how do we live free? Mm -hmm. What does sustained emotional or spiritual or relational health look like? And so I I went to the woods and wrote a book, and I remember coming back in after my second book and trying to get back on the subway again. And all of a sudden, there was a little bit of relapse that wanted to come back in. As I descended six flights underground Mm -hmm. to get on the subway, it was almost that muscle memory of anxiety wanted to creep back in. And I begin this third book with just not having a panic attack for six years, and then all of a sudden having the worst one I'd ever had. Mm. And so I think it was God's way of going. The lesson in it all was, I don't promise that fear, because anxiety for me became a fancy word for fear. Mm. I would just worry and take on all this weight of burden that actually we weren't made to carry. And so our bodies react. And I just remember the whisper of God in that season was, I don't promise that fear won't come knocking, but I always promise a way of escape. Mm. And that I've actually created the whole earth in rhythm, the the universe in rhythm, and planets and days and nights and seasons and weeks and months and years. And and then I've created your bodies in rhythm, whether it's your heartbeat or your pulse or your breathing or labor pain. Like everything that I do is in rhythm. And so if you follow the rhythms I've actually created for you, you're going to actually start to flourish. But if you get off rhythm, you, you pay the price. Your body pays the price, and then your people pay the price, and everything pays the price. So part of this goal of this book was to just be a practical guide. And it's mm-hmm. it's certainly just my my vantage point. There are a lot of expressions, but I needed to pare it down and make, keep it simple. Like not, I don't need a 12 things to do, just four rhythms I can remember each day and just do a small expression of each of those every day. So can you walk us through what those four rhythms are? Sure. So the first two are input rhythms. They're rest and restore because you can't give what you haven't received. So rest is for me, what and the way we talk about this in the book, as you've read, is the inner life. It's the spiritual life. It's almost the grounding exhale that is the foundation for everything else. And the reason why I begin with rest is because God's not casual about rest. <laughs> he, it's not optional to Him. Mm-hmm. It's actually um, when He created the earth and then He rested and then blessed it. 
He blessed the day that he rested. And I thought that's interesting that rest precedes blessing. Mm. It's almost this anchoring that we operate from rest. We don't operate so we can earn it. Mm. So rest to me is a posture. It's also a schedule. I mean, we got to make time for it. But that posture can only come from making the time. So sometimes you got to act your way into feeling. And so for me, rest is the first one. And that's all about our mind and our heart and our soul just being laid down and taking pause. So routines for deep sleep and taking walks in nature and prayer walks or just a morning routine. I talk about just like just this cadence in the morning. What, what do we do? In the, and you mentioned a gratitude journal. I talk about that in my morning routine chapter, but it's just, it orders the day. Mm-hmm. Um, tech detox, you know, sometimes we have to remove the noise so we can rest. Mm-hmm. The second one is restore. And that's all about our physical body, our um just our movement, what we're putting in. It's this physical health. So we've got the inner life, the spiritual health, and then the physical health. Because God's like, I made your bodies and they need certain things. And if you can follow some of these basic principles, then that's going to benefit you feeling good. So you can actually do the output rhythms. So it's rest, restore, and then the last two are connect and create. And those are output. Connect is relational health and create is vocational health. So create is more just like um, conflict resolution and intimacy. And I do chapters on friendship or marriage or parenting, things like that. And then finally, um, the vocational health, I think is interesting because I'm sure a, a lot of your listeners are are in that. We're trying to, we're trying to be mothers, wives. Some mm-hmm. of us are single, obviously, um, but we're putting our best foot forward at home and outside of home. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes we feel so depleted because we can't rest and restore. Um, and we're trying to connect with our kids and our spouses and our friends, but then we're also trying to put something creative out there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just reminded that the create, the creativity actually comes almost last because all these other things have had time to almost birth those creative collaborative thoughts. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? And I think sometimes we we put so much stock in the creating. Like we feel like that's what, like it's important. We need to have something to show the right. world. Yeah, but it's tangible. Like, yes. yes, but it's like if we don't do those other three rhythms, we're not going to have anything to give. Or yeah, or we give for a season and then we burn out. Mm-hmm. And then we're kind of ready to quit it all. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I am sometimes. Yes. You know, I was like, oh, why do I feel such burnout right now? Oh, because you actually have abandoned these mm-hmm. other three rhythms. And we're going to all have one. I offer a quiz online on my website where I say, what's your healthiest rhythm? Like, just go ahead and name it. Because mm-hmm. we all have one that we're more prone to do. It's a default. It's effortless for us. But that just means we're off balance. It just means we need to strengthen those others um, because it's great that you have a strong one and God made you to to do that well. Um, But out of balance, you actually won't be able to sustain it. Mm -hmm. And so for the woman who's listening, who she's like, I want that. And I, but I feel like I'm so overwhelmed with my life. I can't think of adding more to do's. Like, is this book just giving me more things I have to do? I hope this is an undo book. I love that. Um, I really don't want this to be, I'm, I'm all about, I give you examples of how Mm -hmm. to rest. It's just suggestions. Pick one, pick what works for you. Like I love, you know, the books you're reading, read the book that inspires you Mm -hmm. or write the gratitude thing that that gives your heart a posture of rest and and receiving uh, cuz i do think we feel this need 
to, that to get well or to get peace, we got to go get busy or go do something. Mm. And yet Jesus is just like, are you tired? Burn out. Come get away with me and you'll recover your life and you'll find rest for your soul. And almost it's the undoing that that releases the, the peace and the rest. And so instead of saying, here's 28 things to do, it's Actually, here's just maybe there's something you should pull out, you know, take mm-hmm. inventory of your life. What did you say yes to that you don't love doing? You're doing it out of duty or obligation or people pleasing. And then once you quit those things or take time off technology, you'll find you have a lot of hours left to then go, okay, what actually would feed my heart right now and kind of make me come alive again and dream a little bit? And that happened for me when I took a tech detox for three months last summer. I started sleeping again and I started dreaming again and learning again. And I thought, oh, I guess I don't have to quit my life after all. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you just need a pause. We need permission to do that. So I hope this is actually an exhale book, Mm -hmm. um, not something that just is going to pile onto your plate. And so you you mentioned that every day you try to practice each of those rhythms. Yeah, but a very small thing. Okay. Like this isn't like, okay, I'm going to go tackle a project working with my hands. No, there's, I, I love how rhythms for God are daily, but they're also weekly mm-hmm. and they're also annually. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be bigger versions of how you live out these rhythms. Like you're going to rest real well when you've planned a two-week vacation next summer but that's not enough rest to carry you for the next 50 mm-hmm. weeks. So for me, I, if I can do, first of all, the routines for deep sleep, that's a chapter you could apply every night. Like I'd really like to rest better when mm-hmm. I'm going to bed, you know, learning the difference between blue light from technology or the red light from a sunset. Mm-hmm. Red light actually gives you natural melatonin for your body. God's like, hey, I got a solution. You don't even have to take a chewable. Like just go for a walk around sunset. Mm-hmm. Hush your house. Put your devices in another room. Don't end online. Um, just so, so those are simple things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a daily thing you can do. You can start your morning every day with with a quiet prayer, you know, mm-hmm. just a whisper of gratitude, those kind of things. I, I, that's a daily thing. Um, and then restore. I mean, you're going to eat every day. Mm-hmm. So hopefully maybe you can mindfully go, am I going to fuel myself today on caffeine and sugar or am I going to fuel myself today on something God gave from the ground? And I know that sounds like such a buzzkill <laughs> for a lot of us, but we know as moms, when we're tapped out of energy at three o'clock when the kids get home and we're like just wanting to crawl back in bed, mm-hmm. then there's a crash there because we actually haven't fueled ourselves well from the morning on. Mm-hmm. And so there's actually like real practical things on like, hey, here's the here's a way you could actually start your day or for lunch. Um, you don't have to be gluten dairy free. I mean, you can you can still eat all the things, mm-hmm. but just be mindful on how you put them in your body, and then make sure that you give get more movement throughout throughout mm-hmm. the day. So I got a walking um, desk, like a treadmill mm-hmm. desk. I called her Nancy the Nordic Track, <laughs> and I learned though don't have it going too fast, or you're going to get completely nauseous <laughs> when you're trying to type. But um, so again. How you sleep is an everyday thing. How you eat is an everyday thing. And then the connect one every day for me is like, there's a there's an epidemic of loneliness mm-hmm. in our culture. And especially among women who are like us, who we just have so much that we're carrying and friends feel like the first to go. Mm. And so I would say, just discipline yourself to reach out to someone every day. Mm. It can be an encouraging word on a text like or a verse or just a voicemail, like call an actual number. <laughs> what is <and> that? <laughs> use, 
use your voice or like for a lot of people, they do Voxer or Marco Polo, whatever, but literally let someone see your face or hear your voice Mm -hmm. and just bless them. Just say, I just, God brought you to mind. You're an amazing human being. And these are the three things that I love about you. You'll be surprised how connected you'll feel to that person and Mm -hmm. how much joy you'll get from doing that. Mm. So that can be an everyday thing. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, create, is work with your hands. And some people hear that and they're like, I do not want to go back to learning how to like DIY or make some window treatments or like, you know, put together a birdhouse. To me, it's more about you have to cook. So maybe there could be some, some play in that with your kids. Like put something together that you might not normally make by hand or gardening You know, Mm -hmm. it could just be something so simple, but I just think tactile is Mm -hmm. really important for us. And our kids remind us of that. So, you know, I give a lot of illustrations on what to do, but I think it just can be so simple of even just how we organize our home and just making sure we keep things out that allow for that play or that tactile stuff to happen. Because a lot of times we love those things as kids, but we don't feel freedom to do those now as adults. Like the disco ball. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dance. Dance it out. <laughs> and Joy has brought that into you. She home. has, apparently. <laughs> thank you so much for coming today and being willing to do this interview. And just thank you so much for writing this book. I love it's so grace-filled, but also practical. And that's thank I feel you. like women need the practical encouragement. And also I think, you know, like you talked about how sometimes it's just a replacement. It's not that you're adding something new, it's that you're choosing. I'm not going to do this thing that's actually life-draining, and I'm going to replace it with something that's life-giving. Just a simple tweak can make a massive difference over time. So thank you. Um, Again, the book is Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. Thank you so much. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 